Okay, we are going to continue, and there'll be time for discussing questions that may have come up through the sermons the last couple of weeks as well. Now, I'm going to back up to the last couple verses that we covered because that was three weeks ago. What was happening was a riot in Ephesus caused by the silversmiths who made idols that people who worshipped the goddess Artemis used for their worship. And these idol makers were concerned at a loss of business because their silver business was, I don't know how many people were here. Let me, I wonder if I can minimize this and show some of that um, from before. Here's where we've been. Yeah, here we go. There was a reaction. This is just review. There was a reaction due to the fact that their prosperity depended on the business of making silver shrines for Artemis. And we talked about that. And this certainly is historical. It's accurate. It's what happened in Ephesus. The temple of Artemis was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. We talked about that. And the claim of the Christian preachers, Paul has mentioned here, gods made with hands are no gods at all. Why would that be? Well, obviously, if a human creates a deity, the human has more power than the deity, and the human can take the deity and melt it down. And so that's not much of a threat of being judged, is it? So um, Yahweh on Sinai was powerful and scary, and they knew they were probably going to die. The golden calf didn't scare them so much. That's the, we talked about that. And then we mentioned some of the, I showed some slides. Here's a silversmith making a small cup. Here's silver craftsmanship. Remember Demetrius there was a silversmith. They don't have an actual extant shrine of Artemis, probably because the silver content was so valuable that when they found them, they melted them down and made something else out of it. Here's a cup. Uh, in a museum that dates back to that period of uh, 1st century B.C. to 1st century A.D. Uh, Artemis was an immensely popular goddess in Ephesus, and so there was a temple dedicated to her, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Um, There's some more. There's a snake. Just about anything serves the pagans as an object of worship. Paul summarizes it well when he says they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Anything created by man or any creature that, created, that God created can be worshipped, but that doesn't make these deities able to do any good to anybody. In fact, in some cases... Those that worship idols are worshiping demons. Whatever reality there is, is spiritual, demonic reality, or you just, at the best, 
It's just a piece of silver. That would be the best case. That's pretty bad. And then here's some more. We showed that um, last time. There's a replica of what that temple would have looked like to Artemis. And then the pagans rage. Here's a Artemis of the Ephesians. Pagan deities, more pagan deities. So I showed that. Here's um, the theater. They're reconstructing that. It's been found. So this is historically accurate. Here's another view of that. The theater there at Ephesus. No, so there, there's this tumult, this riot that's going on. And what happens is the Christians persuaded, the disciples persuaded Paul not to go in there. And he doesn't. Because it would have just really blown out of control had he been there because they mentioned Paul. As it turns out, they're able to calm the crowd with the help of an Alexander who was Jewish and civil authorities, and Paul was able to move on. So that's where we're going to start. So let me get that one out of here, and we'll get us back up to speed. Now, back to where we were. Paul was urged to stay out. All right, here we are. So one of the things that I looked up to put this in perspective, because we always want to see Luke Acts as a two-volume work. And so I went back as I was researching this and looked at what happened in Luke regarding civil authorities and then Jerusalem and the religious authorities. And both were complicit in what happens because God's working the way he works to bring salvation through crucified Jewish Messiah. But in Luke Acts, the focus is on Jerusalem. That's clear. And if you go back and start reading Luke 22 on to the end, you'll see that the civil authorities are prone to say, I don't see a problem with this guy. Remember that? Pilate, well, let somebody else look at it. Herod wanted to see Jesus. They weren't prone to do anything about it. They wanted some peace. But the religious authorities were demanding that something happen. We've got to get rid of this guy. And so I went back, and you can do that yourself. Read Luke 22, 23, 24. And Luke, in particular, is focused on Jerusalem rejecting the prophets that are sent. Jesus made pronouncements about that. How often I would gather you, but these things are hidden from your eyes by God's judgment, but also through the promise of sending the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So as you go back, this is important in God's providence because the riot is ultimately going to be sparked in Jerusalem. Paul doesn't go in. The situation is going to be calmed. And he's going to go back and strengthen churches and take up an offering to bring to the saints in Jerusalem. And that's what's happening in the bigger narrative. But when he gets to Jerusalem, much like Jesus ends up going to Jerusalem, and that's where the real rejection happens, same thing happens to Paul. 
So the focus is Jerusalem. In the meantime, there's riots, but this case it was resolved by civil authorities. Now let's go to what happens, the verses we want to start with today. Then some were shouting one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion and the majority did not know for what reason they'd come together. Some of the crowd concluded it was Alexander since the Jews had put him forward and having motioned with his hand, Alexander was intending to make a defense to the assembly. So Alexander, Luke doesn't give us biographical details about him. We know he's Jewish and idolatry is abhorred to the Jews as it is to the Christians. And I have some citations from scholars that explain some of the things that are going on. It says uh, Dr. Schnabel, and I have something from him I want to talk about later, but Luke relates that some of the Asiarchs were kindly disposed to Paul. The Greek term philoi can be understood to imply that some of these municipal officials had become believers and were thus devoted to Paul. Or it may mean more generally that Paul became acquainted with the high city officials who liked him, perhaps because he was a Roman citizen with international contacts in many Roman provinces. Paul's, says Schnabel, contact with these officials certainly allows the assumption that Paul would have explained to them his message about Jesus, Israel's Messiah and Savior of the world. So whatever the case, he goes on to say, they ended up wanting to protect Paul. That's what made me go back and look at Luke. Pilate and others, were to, they were willing to just dismiss the thing about Jesus, but it couldn't happen. And then um, we have this theme that Jerusalem rejects the prophets. But don't take that to be anti-Semitic. It is not the least bit that way. Because what is also clear in Luke-Acts is that God has a future for ethnic national Israel and that he will restore things as they asked about in Acts 1, 6, 7, and then verse 8 is the Great Commission. And there is a future. You won't see me again. Jesus said that until you say, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's yet future. In the meantime, go to Jerusalem, wait until the Holy Spirit's poured out so that we see the beginning of the times of the Gentiles in the church age on the day of Pentecost. And the times of the Gentiles, which Eric and I have taught, and many, I believe this is biblical. I know more about it now as I've been studying it. The times of the Gentiles, the church age, goes from the day of Pentecost to the beginning of Daniel's 70th week. And if you go back to the passage in, I believe it's in Daniel 9. Is that the 70-week process? Yeah, we were just doing radio on that. Um, that's about Israel. But the first thing that happens, what happens during that seven-year period is really bad. But then Christ will come back and there'll be the millennium. 
Okay, so in the meantime, we're under the church age, and God has a purpose which is revealed in the Bible, and that is shown here by what happens in Acts. First of all, uh, Laverne has a question or a comment. First of all, what we know from Acts 1 and verse 8, plus what happens at the end of Luke 24, is that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we also know that Jesus literally appeared again to Paul and tell him that you must witness, be my witness in Rome. So this is going to the center of the Roman Empire, which would cause the gospel to go out. Yes. With the rapture, the church goes up, and right. that would be the end of the church age. Are you saying it's synonymous with the Daniel's 70th week? That's the beginning. The first event is the beginning. The, so the 70th week the... is the tribulation period. Yeah. Now, some have said there's a church during the tribulation. That's true, because people will be converted during the tribulation. Now, I'm learning more about this now than I, I've ever known, and, and I've been forced to do so because of the... Um, I was filmed for two hours talking about the New Apostolic Reformation, and the claim that's being made now by some very zealous people that are making unbelievable claims is that Christ, that the church is going to conquer now in history, and the people that are taken are the wicked. Yes, the wicked are raptured, and the church is left here. That is the claim of the latter rain movement, uh, going back to Jane Lead, 17th century mystic, uh, George Warnock, William Branham. So I've, I've had to re-research all of this because I was filmed and I didn't want to look silly on a film. And then we're doing some radio on it. So the more I look at this, I'm convinced that the promise Maranatha is valid now. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer for the return of Christ. First he comes for the church, then he comes at the end with the church. Now, I know other people have other views, and I wasn't sure, but the more I look at these other claims, I'm convinced that's the best reading. Furthermore, what's happening now is that the, the assumption is the church is here to conquer the civil governments. That's what people's claims are, are becoming. And the other claim that we've been doing Critical Issues YouTube and podcasts on is that America is Israel. And the hope for the world is America being a theocratic kingdom. So we've We've been doing stuff. But that's beside the point. Right now, what we're looking at is why we are here. God's in charge of it. No one knows how long the time period is between the end of the 69th week and the beginning of the 70th. Is that right, Eric? We do not know. It could be a month. It could be many, many years. We do not know. But we do know 
why we're here now. And that is to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our hope is that God forgives our sins, makes us a part of the family of God, that we're being added to the foundation already laid, Christ the cornerstone, the real apostles and prophets, not the false ones of uh, the New Apostolic Reformation. And every time someone is saved, they're built in to that, and they're part of it. And their names are written in the book of life, and we're here so people come to Christ and we preach the gospel. That is still going on. What, during this period, the civil authorities have always been evil for the most part. There's occasionally someone uh, who's uh, more disposed toward the Christian gospel than others. But the point of the civil order that we pray for is to give a better opportunity for us to get the gospel publicly into different arenas so people can hear it. And gaining a massive hearing and then not preaching Christ is wicked. Honestly, it's wicked. Why would people be brought into a huge arena with people who never heard about Christ and then they say, we're here to tell you that we can solve the world's problems and make this a better place to live. Is that the gospel? Did Paul ever preach that? No. We're not the troublemakers. The trouble comes from those opposed to Christ and the gospel. But we have a message of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and redemption, atonement. And part and parcel of this is the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is amazing. What are we doing at the Lord's Supper? We're remembering the Lord's death till he comes. We are talking about remembering the blood covenant. What's the blood of the covenant? Yeah, it's the redemption, the blood atonement, whereby the perfect sinless one, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. So we're remembering, how can we be part of this? How can us wicked sinners, us unworthy ones, us people who cursed Christ, who hated him, he, he redeemed us by his mercy. The blood atonement removes sin, not unhappiness in life. We, we suffer like others do. Uh, because we live in a sinful world. It's amazing what's going on. So in this case, in God's providence, that doesn't mean God doesn't break in in a more supernatural way, because I've seen that so many times, and get us to the right place at the right time despite ourselves. That's usually what's happened in my case. Uh, you, You couldn't even think about praying for the thing that God did to get me to the right place at the right time. He did it. And God saves people we never thought would have anything to do with the gospel. So here in this case, a Jewish person, Alexander, known by them, and Christian disciples were together saying this idolatry really is not good. So when in Luke 23, when Jesus was brought before civil authorities, Herod and Pilate, the religious authorities demanded he be crucified. 
The secular authorities found no guilt, but they finally said, okay, Barabbas, remember this, what happened. That doesn't absolve anybody of guilt. But some who were there are later converted. Isn't that something? Like Saul of Tarsus at the martyrdom of Stephen. Who would have thought Saul of Tarsus was going to be a Christian? Holding the coats, yeah, let's kill this guy. He just cited scripture after scripture proving who Jesus was. He's holding cold. Saul, yeah, kill him, kill him. Then he's going, found out there's other people becoming Christian. He's going to demand them be slaughtered, threats, blasphemy, slaughter. He gets to do so. Who interrupted him? Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? The, the Christian that was called to pray for Paul didn't want to do it because he said, well, I know this guy. He'll probably kill me. He didn't say it quite like that. No, he's one of mine. Pray for him. I will show him what great things he must, I must do through him. So that's where Saul came. So here he stays out. Let's go on. Zeal for a pagan deity. I, uh, look at this. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, that's Alexander, who was saying, no, this, this isn't right. Just hold on here. A single outcry rose from them all as they shouted for about two hours. In the ancient world, that's kind of a short riot. We had a longer one. That, well, never mind. It was really bad in our city here. Um, this morning, did you see what happened in Indonesia on the news? 175 people trampled to death in a riot over a soccer game. It happened, you know, their time. I, I saw the news this morning. And a terrible riot because they thought the wrong team won or something. So that shows you the fallen nature of humans. Trampling 175 people to death over a soccer game. But nevertheless, this is the way the world works. Honor, shame, especially in the ancient world. So great here they are, two hours. Great as Artemis of the Ephesians. After quieting the crowd, it's kind of hard to do when it's going like that. The town clerk said, men of Ephesus. So this is a civil authority for Rome, ultimately. What man is there after all, after all who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, and of the image which fell down from heaven. So the Jewish Alexander didn't present a case, and uh, the Christians didn't present a case. They got their two hour of writing, and then they settled down, which is really kind of amazing. So I'm going to cite Schnabel again. Neither Gaius or Aristarchus the representative of the followers of Jesus, nor Alexander, the representative of the Jewish community, are given a chance to present their case. The crowd files into the theater with the acclamation, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city clerk would have been someone who was uh, originally the clerk of the city council, become the imperial, during the imperial period, says Schnabel, the chief executive officer of the city. So it's a significant title. Now, 
It's the job of civil authorities to keep order. Uh, when they don't, generally, it's not good. And there's a reaction. We're watching that in our own society right now because there's quite a reaction going on across the whole country because of the failure of civil authorities to restrain lawlessness. We see that, and it's happened in other countries as well. As history goes on, eventually there's a reaction against all the lawlessness or the places where that's all that happens, their civilization crumbles and something else happens. But we don't know how long history will go on before the Lord returns. But what is the title for Antichrist? The lawless one. Nothing is more terrifying than utter evil lawlessness unrestrained. Is that right? Have you read the book of Revelation? Why is this lawlessness so bad? Because God removes the restraint and allows it. And Eric and I concluded, and others, that the existence of civil governments, multiple civil governments with borders, and some, some version of a lawful system within those borders is a serious restraint, as it was here already not that long after Pentecost. It allows the gospel to be presented and people to hear it and to be brought from here to there because what do you have when you have a lawful, reasonable civil government, system of transportation, the ability to go from one place to another without horrible danger. Uh, Paul was able to, the Roman system was, was run by a wicked Nero about this time. When did Nero take, was it 50, what was the year Nero came in power? Early 50s. What was interesting, Jessica and I did some recording yesterday. We cited a big chunk of Romans 13. Paul wrote that when Nero was in power, saying that God uses the civil government to restrain evil is not the same as saying God approves of the activities of the civil government. Nero was as wicked as anybody, but yet Paul said that God ordained that. What happened during that time? He was able to make the journey appeal to civil authorities, testify to civil authorities. This goes on from Acts 20 to Acts 28. And you just watch it happen. And we're going to get there. I got to keep pressing forward. We got to get through this. And so what happens is everywhere he goes, he testifies about Christ every time. That's what's important. So here is a civil authority trying to bring peace. It doesn't look good. Even it was Indonesia where the, the soccer riot happened. They showed on the news the head of, Indo, of that country saying, don't do this. There's no, no matter how pagan a civil authority may be, they don't like 175 people riot, being killed in a riot. Okay, it's not a good look. And so here this is going to lead to Paul being able to eventually get to Jerusalem and then ultimately to Rome. The image that fell from heaven describes the cult of Artemis standing in her temple outside the city as having some sort of divine 
origin. Likely, not for sure, but a lot of archaeologists and uh, historians believe that some meteor hit and was found, and they thought that was the image of Artemis from heaven. We can't prove that. But they believed that Artemis had come. Now, we might think, all oh, those wicked pagans, why would they believe that? We have a whole branch of Christianity that has just as many idols. Uh, frankly, the, the desire to have authority that God didn't give the church, which is the authority to rule over the pagans, doesn't Christianize society, it paganizes Christians. I think even in a more benign case, I'm feeling the ability to be more free and just share what I think, and you can correct me, but I, because I can't sleep, I'm usually up at least by four, I happened to see the funeral for this Queen Elizabeth, and by all accounts was a very decent, kind, the best they could have hoped for. And I'm not saying anything bad about that, but here's what struck me. At four in the morning, as they came into this massive cathedral, I don't know which one that was, and you see the spires going way, way high in the sky. They've got better sound systems now, so you can actually hear it. I don't know how they pulled that off. And so the, the Americans love pomp and circumstance because we don't have it. Okay, well, that's all right. I'm glad we don't. But here they come. Here's all the procession. And the only gospel, was, and it was there in the scriptures that were read. So here, if you're looking at everything, wow, look at that. Look at the wealth. Look at the, the, the discipline, the guards, the, all of this stuff going on. And then there's a guy all dressed up reading from the Bible. It was the gospel. I thought, well, somebody might actually hear that and believe. But does the gospel need a temple like Artemis had? No. Does the gospel need, it's not about money, because money can't buy salvation, but what priorities would create massive structures that, if anything, made it almost impossible to hear the words of the gospel unless some really good sound person figured it out. Echo, 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 you can't hear. But we could. There's the gospel. Dear ones, we can gather in the most humble place anyone could gather, open our scriptures, and read that and explain it and have a more powerful presentation of the gospel than they had at the funeral of Queen Elizabeth in England. You know why? There's less distraction. I'm not, some people believe it. I'm not saying nobody there believes the gospel, but why not, why not get rid of the distractions and just preach the word of God? Simply, carefully, whether it's on the street or in a building or in a, wherever it may be, God will honor his word. Paul was willing to go to uh, Athens and debate ideas. I'm not saying you can't preach in a massive auditorium, but make it the gospel. Our hope is not in this world. A couple of, uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think we're an example of that. 
this church, um, GGF Church. For those who don't know, of course, we got kicked out of this church, those of us who wanted to hear the gospel. In fact, I was even asked, why are you siding with that? And I said, because I want the gospel. So we got kicked out, and we had to roam around from hotel to hotel, from (laughs) stem to stern, and we somehow ended up right back here, by the grace of God. But the point is, is that God honors his word. And when we're faithful to just preach his word and not have anything fancy, but just speak the gospel, God honors that. And I think he's honored honored this church. I don't know about us, but I do know the gospel's preached. You know, what's interesting, by the way, I've been reading church history again. I love church history. Eric is next here. Uh, As you read church history, here's something I want to point out. Um, This one historian from India, who was a British guy, whose book I bought in the early 70s, pointed out that the Christian congregation is modeled after, more after the synagogue than temple Judaism. If you look at it, Jerusalem was the center of temple, the sacrifices, the high priesthood, the ceremonial, and in fact, the thing that led to the biggest riot against Paul was they claimed he brought a Gentile in to the temple and, and when he got there in Acts 21. That's why I'm trying to go forward. But the church was not modeled after temples. The temple of God is now being with hands. It's people. Okay? And so they would gather, like in Philippi, where... Um, Come on, who is the lady from... Lydia. Lydia. Had a, uh, here, let's gather. Here, you can preach the gospel. Bring some people here. Whether well, it didn't matter if they were rich or they're poor, they had property, they didn't. They could gather, they could gather anywhere. They could gather in a building. So Christianity, according to this book, and I think it's right, is modeled after gatherings that don't require a temple. Church history is filled with temples. Roman Catholicism is a replacement of Israel, only a temple model. So they have sacrifices, incense, massive structures, and that is modeled after temple Judaism. The church can meet anywhere, and you can't really get rid of the church because they'll go meet somewhere where they can't be wiped out. So the gospel will stay, uh, yes. Yeah, it's the gospel. Go ahead, Eric. I want your comment. Oh. Eric had a comment. I want to hear it. It's not working. Oh, it's Brian. Okay, then give it to somebody else. No, just well, yeah, but this doesn't. <laughs> Go ahead, Brian. But this, I was just joking with you. But this doesn't pertain to what she just said. I, I was going to go back to your civil authorities and okay, and go ahead. Okay, uh, bad government is better than no government because otherwise you end up with a pre-flood situation where you have people what people doing what they deem. Uh, uh, in their own eyes. They do, they whatever, just do anything. Right in their so, own eyes. Yeah. They're like judges. So, right. Um, in the book of Judges. Yeah. Lawlessness it will prevail during that seven-year period. 
it starts, it gets worse as it goes on. All right, so they believed this. They had a right. Let's go to the next slide. And since these are undeniable facts, so the civil clerk didn't care if they believed that a meteor was Artemis. He wasn't there to decide whose religion was right. Maybe he believed it. This is the way it is. Since these are undeniable facts, you, oh, my, yeah, I'm on. You ought to keep calm and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of our goddess. So then, if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a complaint against any man, the courts are in session and pro-counselors, counsels are available that they bring charges against one another. This is so illustrative. The timing of this is amazing because of the other material I've been doing with critical issues commentary. Um, We have to decide what is the church in Christianity right now in the age we're living in. Okay? Is the church consisting of the foundation of Christ and his real apostles, as we've seen in Ephesians and in 1 Corinthians, called out ones. As assembly in the Greek is simply people called together for some, it could be a council meeting. But in the, for the church, it means we're called together because of the call of Christ to meet one another, teach the word, and have the Lord's Supper baptize people, and so on. The Holy Spirit is indwelling the church in that sense. Not buildings, not massive religious organizations, but simple gatherings of Christians. So the civil authorities, the better they do their job, the better it goes for those who simply want to preach Christ. And I've seen that happen. We're not preaching subversion against civil government. And Paul literally says that if we do, we're opposing God. Eric, you've taught through Romans and Second Timothy. Do you have any comment on that as it pertains to the church age? Yeah, you know, I think the um, Romans 13, you know, we're to obey the governing authorities, submit to them. Right. And then, um, like you had mentioned, Bob, what happens at the end is this lawlessness is where, you know, I think about if in Isaiah 5.20, you have those who call evil good and good evil. Mm-hmm. That's what ends up happening in the last seven years. You have all of the multiple governments are gotten rid of, and there's a giving of authority to a one-government model. So you're going back to Babylon. Right. Well, when that one government authority has no other governments to keep it in check, it will do the evils that are the worst that there, the world has no ever restraint. seen. There's no the restraint. The other thing that happens is the spirit realm comes back tangibly again. Amen. Amen. Okay. Exactly right. What people don't know, and this has been a big part of my writing and critical issues over decades, is that it's God's mercy that we're not directly, tangibly interacting with the spirits. People want that. But it's, it's his mercy that we that's not happening typically. 
People will go to great lengths to get it to happen. And if they think it's happening, like these apparitions of Mary, it draws a massive crowd. They want it. But we're not kept, we're kept from it. The tab, Babel, they wanted to reach the gods. The fact is, while that's not happening, we have great opportunity to continue to preach the gospel. And we've seen cases of, I've seen a couple, including people we know from the church here, who have children who had gone to Eastern religion and suddenly the demons turned on them and they realized the gospel's true. Praise God for that. Um, they, they flee to Christ. We, we have, we're in a time where we have opportunities to do that. And when we start thinking we know what we do not know, the confusion is huge. Yesterday, as we were recording, I pointed something out. And we pray for Florida. And most of her, all of us know somebody who has some connection to Florida. This horrible hurricane wiped out a big chunk of some of people's livelihood. And who knows when that'll ever get back to financial stability. But you can't learn theology from natural events. Romans 13 tells us that. Let me illustrate this. Whenever Katrina hit New Orleans, what year was that? 2005? There were conservative evangelicals claiming that it was because God was judging the wicked idolaters in New Orleans. He'd had enough of it. So they made that claim. I heard it. Of the person who was on the radio before I was going to go on, when I got there, I turned to Luke 13. Now the opposite's happening. So fast forward to our day, and we have a state known for conservatism and freedom, and the other side is claiming, see what happens? You wicked sinners, the climate is your fault. Okay, if you would have voted what we want, the climate wouldn't change. Now, talk about, it's just, I've been, I've been, this is new for me, I've been fighting that delusion for decades, knowing that it can't be the case. Human beings are in charge of the climate. Now, that's what happens when you gain your morals from nature. You're totally confused and deceived. Is God angry at the voodoo witchcraft in um, New Orleans? So he sent a country, or is he angry at a state that has less taxes and more freedom? So he sent that to prove climate change. We can't, that's, both claims are absurd. So I'm consistently standing against both of them. Just go to Luke 13. Unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. All right? Just go with that. And then show compassion to people because it's not monolithic. There were Christians in New Orleans. There's Christians in Florida. There's Christians here and there scattered. And so we can't gain theology from nature. What we have is special revelation inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, that's how we know. 
So we got to stick with that. So we we're talking about that. Um, this shows here what happens when you have a system of civil government that's a good system. And so it settled the problem down. Here's um, an important point with that. I'll go here. Let me go to these verses. But if you want anything beyond this, it shall be settled in lawful assembly. For indeed, we are in danger of being accused of a riot in connection with today's events. Since there is no real cause for it, in this connection, we'll be unable to account for this disorderly gathering. After saying this, he dismissed the assembly. That's how civil government is supposed to be. We should pray that it would be that way. Do we need that here in our country? Yes. Do we need that in our state? Yes. And what would cause the whole world to give up any version of civil government with restraints? The thing that will cause it is the release of the supernatural so that they can have tangible interaction with the gods. In the case of Artemis in Ephesus, magnificent city, they had a great theater there where people could be heard even in the ancient world. They believed that a goddess image fell out of heaven, but they had an orderly system because of the Roman Empire. They didn't actually interact with the real Artemis, whatever her um, ontological status was. Um, in other words, was this a big demon or was it, uh, deceiving spirits? We don't have any clear evidence what that was, but there's certainly demons and gods and spirits. But they had to make an idol that represented this. This goes all the way back, all the way back to Babel. They want real. They, despite how bad it was before the flood, they wanted that back. The sons of God interacting directly. The, the, the deities. That's what they want. They're going to get it during the tribulation. And it's going to be hellish and horrible. And life will barely survive on the earth, according to the book of Revelation. What we have are the scriptures the gospel, the ability to assemble, and we preach Christ. And Paul was not ashamed to go into the arena in Athens and bring his ideas in front of some of the most um, noted philosophers of the age. And he preached the same thing that was preached in every message in the book of Acts, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. If we didn't preach the resurrection, that's what struck me at that funeral. Thank you for allowing me just to comment on this, maybe. When I was watching, I thought, the thing that's most striking is when the guy read about the resurrection of the dead and forgiveness of the person of Christ. Despite all that, if you tune that out and listen, oh, there's some gospel here. Now, why create all of this distraction? We shouldn't. Now, I brought this along to share. Let me see here. So next we start with Acts 20. I found something that I want you to think about. And if you think I'm on the wrong track, I'm pretty sure I'm not. 
but it's an analysis of church history and it's sort of a story about how I first met Eric or we met each other. This was from Dr. Schnabel. I can't tell you his background, but he has a great commentary on Acts. And one of his application points I want to read to you. Mega churches is what he's talking about. Here's what Dr. Schnabel said, commenting on the section of Acts. An authentic proclamation of the gospel, says Schnabel, threatens the fusion of religious and commercial interests. That's what started the riot. We're going to lose our money. Idols are lucrative. Monotheism of the God living in heaven that we can't see, we can't make any money off of it. Okay, that's, what, that's the background. Schnabel, a combination of religious and commercial interests. Continuing, a combination that has sometimes characterized Christian churches and ministries as well. If churches become mega churches with a staff of dozens of full-time employees who need salaries, the large buildings that must be maintained, the danger looms large that the focus of the pastoral staff will no longer be on the preaching of the gospel, but on programs which guarantee that as many people as possible visit and contribute financially. Anyone who dares challenge the dissent to a message that does not upset the status quo and does not anger the donors is bound to be marginalized, sustainable, ignored, or dismissed. Authentic faith in Jesus must be kept free from commercial interests. Now, <coughs> in God, excuse me, in God's providence, <coughs> I found a note from the late 1990s, as I was still in seminary, ended up pastor of a church that was there. That I ended up coming here, and. Um, and then we give you all the history. Some of you do. We couldn't do anything. We were broke. Massive building that looked like a temple had been built by Christian science. Pillars, heating bill that nobody could pay. Violence in the neighborhood. Trouble everywhere. And we couldn't pay the bills. So we just had to pray. And that became more of a millstone than a benefit. So... Um, I'm not saying it's a sin to have a building or to have a big building. I am saying that if the structure gets so big and so expensive that if you keep preaching what you preached to start with, you can't sustain it, you got problems. And there are uh, evidence of that. So my um, claim is this. The gospel... We need to do binding and loosing biblically. The gospel needs to be free from commercial interests. And we need to do as much as we can with as little as we may have or as much, but make sure it's all for gospel. And the church is not a self-sustaining institution. Everyone that's ever been made ends up being run by the liberals. It always happens. Why? Because there's way more unsaved people in the world than born-again Christians. 
and they're voting whether they're going to have the latest whatever uh, pronoun battle. <laughs> Brian, quickly. Well, you brought that up this morning. We, yeah, the the Schnabel uh, comment on mega churches, and I pushed back a little bit that that may be true, uh, but there's an exception. And then I was pointing out, like, take MacArthur for example, and then you uh, rightly said that MacArthur's one man; he can't do anything, and then. Well, he can, uh, and, he can preach the gospel, he, right? He and he can only control what comes out of his mouth. And then you have like the Masters College. We've seen what happened there. I mean, it used to be uh, uh, you could pretty much count when it first started that you'd get good people coming out of there. Now it's you don't know what you're getting. I, I'm not sure about who all graduates from what seminary, but when I met Eric, he called me, said I'd like to talk to you. I want to get my money back from the seminary because they're not teaching even Christianity. It was that Leron Schultz, who's now an atheist. He's in charge of the theology. Uh, so here's the first time I ever saw Eric. We're walking through the front doors. I had graduated a few years earlier. And right there, Isaiah, here I am, send me. Yeah, and I said to Eric, we keep losing the brick and mortar. That seminary went from Thomas Schreiner, Bob Stein, Dan Block, uh, verse, but some of the great Bible teachers whose commentaries I read, to seeker, to emergent in less than 15 years. Now, how does 15 years change that drastically? Because now we can communicate around the whole world instantaneously. It doesn't take long. But what if we're gathering and trusting Christ and praying for one another and preaching the gospel and baptizing converts and having a simple church government and continue to teach and preach the word of God? What if we do that? Will that ever harm someone? No. Go ahead, Luann. Well, I was just going back to these verses from 1939 to 41, and it says we're in danger of being accused of a riot, and we will be unable to give an account. And so I asked the question, you know, who are they concerned with? Who's accusing them, and who would they have to give an account to? And it was Rome, I would guess. Yeah. And Rome was the most oppressive. I mean, we don't understand how oppressive Rome was. Every foreign nation was looking for a liberator from Rome back in that time. And so there's hope in all this, because... Because like you're talking about, these brick and mortars go away, but in God's providence, his gospel will go forth. Yes, and I, I, the, what I like about the synagogue structure is you have a low ceiling, so it makes the sound easier, breaks up the bouncing around, and you have a less heat bill, although we're renting. It doesn't matter. We can meet a lot of different places. But the idea that we have to be building a self-perpetuating institution guarantees that the legacies left by donors are used to promote something the donors never believed in. I've heard from people like that. They have a building, they have a pastor, but they're preaching something different than what it was. Now, thank you. Think along with me about that. I don't want to we need each other. We want to correct each other. 
But do you think that man can stop the gospel from saving a sinner? No. But preachers can be seduced by the lure of success and change the gospel so that they don't lose their popularity or whatever. And we don't want that to happen. Let's close with prayer. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness and kindness. Pray for Eric as he preached the word of God to us, that our hearts would be open and that we listen to you, what you've said in your word, and that we'd love one another and encourage one another and continue to pray for those who are suffering. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.